Welcome to the Right to Reason podcast. It's me, Gigi, Robert's wife. Just so that everybody knows, Robert's um, been going through a little bit of a health issue. Um, just recently, we found out he had a blood clot in his leg. Um, a lot of you already know this, but for some of you that don't, I just want to kind of keep you in the loop. Uh, so part of this is... He's doing great right now. I mean, it's a little bit hard for him to walk around still. He can't uh, sit down for too long and stuff like that. But anywho, it's been a little bit trying for us, but um, just wanting to let everybody know that he's doing great. His uh, swelling's gone down and he's able to move around a little bit more. He's returning back to work here soon. So don't bother hitting the unsubscribe button. You can still stick with us. We're going to be back to regular schedule very, very soon. In fact, we've got some interesting guests coming up. Robert's always asking me to help out. So I figured today I've smoked just enough to get me feeling right. So I think uh, I'll take a stab at it. Uh, so I figured my contribution today was picking out a fun episode for this week. Uh, so my selection is a little bit fun. I figured we can uh, take a break from everything that has just been going on lately. Uh, the political climate, we've got corona and everything happening, and it just feels so much right now. So I figured with my selection this week, I would do something fun, light, and honestly, a really great episode. Like, um, I don't know if y'all, if y'all remember Rob Montgomery, he's actually one of our patrons, which we super appreciate. Thank you so much, Rob. Uh, but, uh, a really great episode. He came on the show and they talked about aliens. Um, I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I do believe that we are not alone. Um, <laughs> not that it's like full on believe in like gray aliens or anything like that. Uh, but I do believe that, you know, our universe is so huge that there are other life forms out there. Maybe they're different than us. Maybe it's just shrubbery on one planet or something. But I mean, I don't think that we are alone. And one of the cool things about this episode we're fixing to share is uh, hearing someone's perspective on how they're not they don't have to be gung-ho full-on alien crazy um i like the fact that rob is is just kind of saying how he feels what it kind of goes back and forth of what seems logical and then what is kind of like oh i'll take it with a little bit of grain of salt there but anywho it's a great conversation and i i really do enjoy it especially with the little bit about the the pyramids and stuff like that so I'll go ahead and uh, let y'all guys get started listening. Um, now, don't you worry, patrons. We're not going to be charging for this episode. Uh, we definitely appreciate your support. And I promise that Robert is coming right back around and having some really great interviews, really great debates with some fun people. Um, I hope you enjoy Rob Montgomery with Aliens. Uh, you have the right to reason. Welcome to the Right to Reason podcast. I am your host, Robert Stanley. Today, we are talking about aliens. It's the Right to Reason podcast. 
Within all of our lifetime, though, we're going to understand that there is life on other bodies in the solar system. We're on the verge of things that people have wondered about for millennia. Are we alone? Water is a key ingredient in life as we know it. And scientists say if you find water, your odds of finding life go up. And it turns out our galaxy is a soggy place. Outside of our solar system, astronomers think there may be many worlds covered by deep oceans. So NASA says our galaxy and our solar system are awash in water, and it's just a matter of time until we find life on another planet. October 12th, Columbus Day, the Planetary Society activates Meta 2, beginning planet Earth's only continuous all-sky search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Funded exclusively by donations from Planetary Society members, Project Meta was conceived and built by Professor Paul Horowitz of Harvard University. It is capable of scanning more than 8 million radio frequencies simultaneously. For Planetary Society President Carl Sagan, this technical progress is what has made the present era unique. There's never been a time like that before. So there is some chance that in the next few decades we will get the signal from some spectacularly distant, spectacularly exotic civilization, and everything on Earth will, as a consequence, change. That is possible. You have to remember that just because there's something you don't understand doesn't mean the explanation is something extraordinary. They don't go together. You see a light in the sky moving and you can't explain it? That does not mean it's an intelligent alien coming from another planet to come that's in a flying saucer observing us. These are not equivalent statements. Just say, I don't know what it is. And hang out with the U in the UFO. What does the U stand for? Unidentified. I don't know what it is. You're done. End of conversation. I'm having trouble trying to sleep. And what led me to this the reason I became interested in pursuing that line of inquiry was the Ark of the Covenant, because it seemed to me, it seemed to me like a piece of technology that was out of its place in history, in the way that it was described. I'm not wishing to put down the spiritual aspects because they are there, uh, but there were definite technological aspects to this device. And then I had to ask myself, well, where could that knowledge have come from? And through Egypt, we then start to find that Egypt itself looks back to an older time. The ancient Egyptians didn't regard themselves as the beginning of their story. They regarded themselves as quite a late point in their story. Uh, and they look back to the time of the gods, which they called Zeptepi, the first time when there was a golden age. And they speak, and there are texts, the Edfu building texts, which speak of the gods living on an island, a gigantic flood coming, most of the gods are killed, odd thing to happen to gods, and then they, uh, the survivors come and settle in Egypt. Although they might be out there, they've got to have had a real head start on us. The, the, the galaxy is pretty much as old as the universe. It's 13 billion years worth of time. So the idea that there are no, no civilizations arose, you know, 100 million years ago, 200 million years ago, 1 billion years ago. And imagine what they'd be like if they'd survived. I mean, we've been, we've been around, we've had science for, let's say, since Newton or Copernicus, 500 years at most. We've had, and look what we've done. We've, we've gone beyond the solar system with Voyager. We've walked on the moon. Um, we've, we're, we're about to go to Mars, I would think. So we're about to begin colonizing our own solar system. Um, so we've done that in 500 years. <laughs> so yeah. imagine a million years right. in the future. So I would, it's one of the, 
arguments often used to say there aren't any civilizations out there in the galaxy. It's called the Fermi Paradox. Because if you imagine a civilization that's a million years ahead of us, they should have written their presence across the sky by now. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bound. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. If I was the president, and it's unlikely that that is ever going to happen. You never know. <laughs> if I was the president... It was unlikely that I was going to be president. <laughs> <laughs> the moment I was inaugurated, my hand would, would just, it'd still be hot from touching the Bible, and I would immediately race to um, wherever they hold, have the files uh, about Area 51 and the UFOs, yeah. and I'd go through everything to find out what happened. Right. Did you do that? That's why you will not be president. Because <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the first thing that you would do. Um, <laughs> the the aliens won't let it happen. <laughs> you reveal all their secrets. <laughs> they, 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 they exercise strict control over us. Now, you know, there are a lot of people that are going to examine your, your facial expressions here, um, every, every twitch, everything, oh, no. and say, and of course, so did you look? Did you see? Did you... <laughs> Explore. I, I, I can't reveal anything. Oh, really? Because President Clinton said he did go right in and he did check and there was nothing. Well, you know, that's, that's what we're instructed to say. <laughs> if you got into the office and you found out something about aliens, if you found out something about UFOs, would you let us know? Well, I'll tell you. My wife would demand that I let you know. Is your wife a UFO nut? <laughs> no, she's not a UFO nut. It's just, Bernie, what is going on? Do you have any access to the records? Uh, you don't have any access? I don't. Honestly, no? I don't know. Okay. You, you let us know, though? All right. I'll be on the show. We'll announce it on the show. How's Please. That? Hi, I'm Rob Montgomery. I believe in aliens and the right to reason. This episode of the Right to Reason podcast is brought to you by our patrons and contributors like me. We have all recognized the value of the unrestrained marketplace of ideas and have decided to make a difference. You can make a difference too. Contribute at patreon.com forward slash right and learn more about your right to reason at the right to reason.com. Your activism is appreciated. Y'all know me, still the same OG, but I've been low-key. Hated on by most of these niggas with no cheese. No deals and no G's, no wheels and no keys. No boats, no snowmobiles and no skis. Mad at me because I can finally afford to provide my family with groceries. And today we're talking to our top patron, Rob Montgomery. Rob, from the bottom of my heart, man, I just want to tell you thank you so much. I really appreciate all your help and support, dude. Oh, it's a product that I really believe in. Yeah, so everybody's heard your name. Uh, you know, a bunch of times at the end of the show, and uh, tell tell us a little bit about you. They're probably wondering who is the enigma that is Rob Montgomery. Oh, I'm just kind of a. <laughs> it's a great elephant inter- intro, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just a a lowly custodian trying to be a comedy writer. It's so weird that like you're a patron of the show, but you're also big time into like alien conspiracy stuff, and that that surprised yeah. me whenever you told me that because I was like, when like I I figured everybody that listens to the show is you know just grumpy skeptics that you know that don't believe in anything like what kind of alien dude are you first of all like do you think 
that they're coming down and abducting people and sticking stuff up their asses? Or are you like, they probably designed the pyramids and stuff? Well, I mean, I like to keep an open mind about it. I'm still pretty skeptical about it. Like, I think it's it's possible, maybe not, but I like to think so. What makes you What makes you think that there's some aliens out there and that they would, you know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, you like Star Talk, right? Oh yeah. So like he says, uh, he says that they wouldn't have anything to do with us. They they would probably find us pretty boring. And even if they were looking at us, we probably wouldn't even know it, you know, because it could be from a different dimension or who knows what. Like it, it, the fact that they're able to get through so much of space just to get here means that they're so superior to us they probably wouldn't even find this interesting well i think they more uh fear us like they're they're probably more advanced than we are but they kind of watched us like bomb our own planet with 150 nukes or so so it's kind of like we have to go there and see what's going on with that make sure they don't throw any of those nukes at us come on they would be so advanced dude like i don't see like we couldn't even get a nuke to them. You're thinking that they're worried because we're advancing quickly that like one day we'll be a threat. Well, yeah, like we have nuclear technology and instead of you know just focusing on the energy, we are literally blowing ourselves up. And if we figure out how to you know travel out with that technology, we could be a very destructive force. One of the things that's kind of spooky about aliens is we say, oh well, they they would probably be you know like super benevolent or maybe they're just like insects or something and, and they don't really think the way that we would think or but i always think of it like well what if we were aliens to someone else like we would be a horrible destructive force like humans and spaceships like i don't think we'd be going around like like jean-luc picard i think it would be like this capitalist kind of yeah it would definitely be more like avatar like hey you got yeah. shiny rocks we're here to take them exactly. got any oil yeah it, we would be consuming different things all throughout the universe that we that we wanted so if if other aliens were like that then yeah they'd be a major threat but once again i just i don't i don't i don't get it man like i don't see what what reason there is to believe that they've been to our planet like give me give me some examples of some stuff that kind of got you thinking that way i mean you can go either way with the uh the architecture angle like maybe we were smarter than we give ourselves credit for and we could figure out how to move these giant stone blocks. See, you can't really enter into the court case that, you know, this is really hard, therefore aliens. But there's a lot of uh, weirdness in our history. Okay, so big stones. Like, we couldn't have just used a bunch of logs. You're talking about, like, the big cubes that we built the pyramids with? Yeah, I mean, we're uh, learning more about that, and it it seems fairly plausible that we could have figured out how to move that stuff just... You know, using the sand. Yeah, like wet sand or something. Or Right, and we kind of have, you know, documented evidence that pharaohs were making humans do that. What about the pyramids makes you think aliens? My personal theory, I kind of think like uh, we were trying to repu- replicate alien technology. In Egypt? Yeah, like there's a, a theory that uh, through hydropower, the pyramids were actually power generators. Hmm. I'm like, I don't know about that, but all the other explanations don't really make sense. Like, they're obviously not tombs because we didn't find any bodies in there. And besides the fact that, you know, there's a whole series of caves that are pharaoh tombs. So why would only like three or four pharaohs get these crazy buildings? 
and then not even put their bodies in them. They found uh, Tutankhamun in a pyramid, didn't they? I think I think they find people in pyramids. I don't know. I, I guess I should have uh, researched that a little cl- more closely. Well, because they, they were burying their pharaohs with all their money and gold, and then grave robbers would come along and just take it. So they kept making these tombs more and more extravagant. And then finally, they just got to a point where they said, we have to start making this whole maze of death inside a pyramid <laughs> to try to protect these guys. Because they really believed like they were going to the afterlife with all that money. It was like part of their religion to protect them. So whenever they would get robbed, like it was a, a big deal. Like, oh my God, you've, you've destroyed this person's afterlife, you know? And this was our Pharaoh. This was our God. We'll, you know, we'll have uh, better crops if we make these Pharaohs in the afterlife happy. So like you're hurting our community whenever you rob, we have to, we have to stop you from stealing from these Pharaohs. Then you get the pyramids. That's, that's what I was always told. But I mean, I get it. It seems like so extravagant that it's a little hard to believe that there wasn't more to it. Yeah. Like, the, the design doesn't really make sense as a tomb. Well, uh, what I was told is they, they ended up uh, just hiding them. Like, actually just burying them under the ground and not marking where they were. But at least this is what, what they were saying in, in one of the Western Civ classes I was taking, is that there's just all these <laughs> just billions of dollars worth of treasures and history just buried all over Egypt. They keep trying to find them, but, you know, they, they buried them in places that would be almost impossible to locate. If you build a giant pyramid, you're, all you're doing is getting a lot of attention. So everybody goes to it that wants to rob you. So that's right. why there's like all sorts of like stuff that could kill you and it's hard to get in. And so what, uh, you think uh, it's have like you a... ever heard of the, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth? Mm-mm. What's that? It's a pretty crazy story there. Uh, the Egyptian government, I guess, is claiming that they have these, uh, I think it's eight Emerald Tablets that uh, detail this, what's considered a god, but it, you know, maybe aliens. Uh, and they've they've translated seven of them, and then the claim is that the eighth is still under wraps. Hmm. They're not releasing that. And the whole story goes that this guy uh, thought. No, the claim is that he was a survivor from Atlantis. Maybe you just you like the topic more or less, but it it doesn't sound like you're actually convinced. Well, the not so much on the ancient alien thing. Like I want to believe because it's. You know, it's fun to think about, but yeah, I love as the, George uh, I like to talk R. About R. Martin said, uh, the truth is either horrible or boring. <laughs> so the cooler the story is, the more likely it's bullshit. Yes, unfortunately. But uh, I mean, from a, a statistics point of view, like aliens in general, I think it's ridiculous not to believe that there's alien races out there. Yeah, I mean, the universe is so fucking big. Like, and the fact that we started life on this planet so quickly like immediately after the earth cools just life starts popping up everywhere like that's that's an incredible concept to me because it makes me think that whatever causes abiogenesis that is just happening as soon as it can you know that's just mind-blowing like we think of it as rare and special because within the small amount of area that we can travel or, or see if there's you know water or life or something like that we don't see it except on our planet but yeah, right. it's, it's got to be everywhere, dude. There's got to be just crazy wild life forms just all over the universe. The strongest evidence that I see for uh, the ancient alien idea is like uh, modern science can't explain language. Like according to academia, we shouldn't have developed language as early as we did. So that's kind of where I 
insert my god of the gap that you know maybe aliens did come down and you know alter our brain or you know i accept maybe it was just us figuring out how to make fire and cooking our food increasing our uh, protein intake maybe it was the stoned ape theory you ever hear that one right. yeah uh actually mudvane's first album he's they put some uh, experts from that guy who's talking about the, the apes encountering the mushroom that's great. You know, when I when I first started this podcast, I used to have a clip of Terrence McKenna in the uh, in the intro, but the intro was so damn long, and everybody kept telling me like, "Rob, cut the intro down." So that's why, like the the beginning part that you hear that goes that wah 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 wah, that was actually a full song that I had pulled off of like a free to use music website. I would play the entire song, and through it, I would put in little clips. This is like two and a half years ago. And one of them, it was uh, Terrence McKenna saying, uh, and, and that corny voice he has, he's like, culture is not your friend. <laughs> Tell everybody what the stoned ape theory is, just in case they haven't heard of it before, because it's a really cool idea. You know, ancient man or uh, Neanderthal, I guess you would say, didn't really uh, have a language. We just communicated with grunts, I guess. And then eventually we encountered a mushroom and then you know, tested it out to see if we could eat it. And... Boy, were we in for a shock. Yeah, like a psilocybin mushroom. And the, the idea that the African savanna is just full of these mushrooms, you know, and, and the, the thought of like some kind of very low intelligence level primate just going around knowing that if they flip these, you know, shit patties over, that they could find stuff underneath them and eat them, you know, like grubs or what have you, that, that wouldn't be that crazy, you know? Like right. we see monkeys do that now. And yeah, if, when you think about like now we have cheese, like, why would we even do that? So why wouldn't we flip over a pile of shit and eat the mushrooms off of it? You ever tried them? Oh, uh, yeah. I can't get high on them. I tried it twice. I passed out both times. That's crazy. So. I, I've got a friend who's like completely immune to most hallucinogens. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe you just have a, a better brain than us. Or a, a worse one. <laughs> I like that idea is just because it explains some of these weird things that are on the planet, you know, like psilocybin mushrooms or marijuana is just a weird fucking thing. Right. The, the coca plant. There's this whole fucking forest in Utah that's got these trees called the pando trees. And they started digging. And whenever they get down, they realize that the root structures are all connected and not like connected, like intertwined, like a snake, but like they're all the same fucking root. It's one organism. The whole fucking forest is one. Whoa. And it's old as fuck. 80,000 years old, dude. Damn. A living organism that is 80,000 years old. And it's like literally the whole forest is just one thing. Like, I mean, shit like that. I need answers from someone to explain crazy shit like that to me. You know what I mean? Like, like I, yeah. I, I love watching... We were talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson earlier. You know, I, I, love, I, love, I love all the science guys and... And, and, you know, Bill Nye and you know, Richard Dawkins and, and uh, Sam Harris and Dan Dennett, and, you know, like all these all these people that were like, yeah, but this is this is our theme. We like this stuff. But I feel like they're leaving out some of the crazy shit that's going on. So that's why sometimes I, I like turning to someone like Terrence McKenna, who I know is a nut. You know, the guy fried his brain. I get it. <laughs> but it seems like it's only the nuts, the crazies that are actually addressing some of the stuff that just nobody else can explain how your mind can really just go into a different fucking universe almost, you know? It's like it's like you go into a different dimension mentally, and people that haven't experienced these 
alternative forms of consciousness don't know what the fuck we're talking about. They really right. don't. They, they're like, no, 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 your brain's just fucked up. It, it, you know, you're not thinking straight. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it's more than that, man. You can say I'm not thinking straight whenever I'm trying some kind of psychotropic substance. Sure, that's fair. But my consciousness changes. What I'm experiencing is a different thing. In the same way that whenever you wake up from a dream that you really believed was real, and now you're, you're here and you're like, oh, well, that wasn't real. Yeah, well, you thought it was at the time. And everybody's thought, well, what if this is a dream? When you were a kid, that was one of the first times that you started questioning reality was after waking up from a really great dream or even right. a nightmare, you know, either way. And you're just like, what, what if, how do I know this shit's not fake? Because I thought that other shit was real. Psychotropic substances, I think, do the same thing as they start to make you question your reality. Right. I feel like maybe you and I, we have that in common where we're, we're finding basic level empiricism coming up short a little bit and explaining some of the crazier stuff in the universe and maybe that's why you go alien rap in the same way like right. maybe some people might go religious i think it was influenced a lot by uh, being raised christian mm -hmm. and there's like they just ex expect you to accept this story but like there's so many unanswered questions there i've heard that one where the aliens have been trying to communicate to us and they have been influencing different people in our past and those were the religious leaders those were the gandhis those were christ you know muhammad those people were actually aliens or at least influenced by aliens and trying to get the message of love and peace out and they just keep screwing it up though because each time it turns into something violent and we twist it when they say absolute power corrupts absolutely but i think even a tiny bit of power corrupts it's just like with all the the cults that you see it might start out good, but then it ends up everybody uh, everybody takes advantage of it. I always wanted to try being a cult leader, just for the ability <laughs> to fuck everybody's wife. Right. That's what that's what they always do. It's always every single time you find out it's about sex, except for those. Uh, what was that one? Heaven's Gate. They might be giving each other hand jobs on the side, but they didn't seem to have anything real weird other than just killing themselves. I think they like castrated themselves. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, I believe that was part of it. <laughs> they were trying to. Fully emulate. I don't know the what the fuck I'm talking about, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> they castrated themselves, so they weren't fucking at all. Right. <laughs> Jeez. So in a way, I was right. So how about Area 51? Well, I think they could have at one point had a, some alien technology there, but I think it, it's probably just like our black projects where they tried to develop their own flying saucers. I mean, if they ever had aliens there, they definitely don't have it now. Because, like, everybody knows about it now. You're referencing uh, Bob Lazar, right? Yeah. They learned from their mistake with Area 51. Tell everybody about Bob Lazar, just in case they haven't heard about this guy yet. Because it really is a fascinating story. And I'll be honest, like I, don't, like, I don't believe a lot of this shit like you, Rob. But once I saw that documentary, I'll be honest, like, I'm halfway through. And I'm just thinking, this sounds legit as fuck. It's, uh, it's on Netflix. It's Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. Came out last year. It just got popularized because Lazar goes on to Rogan talks about it that gets a lot of attention and then that's what caused all these people going to area 51 and trying to show up and and flip out is it's all it's all because of this dude anyway t t tell him the uh tell him his story just in case they hadn't heard it as he was a an engineering prodigy he built a jet engine and attached it to his car that got the attention of uh you know some government guys or whatever and they they kind of recruited him to work on this secret project where, uh, as Lazar claims, he's 
reverse engineering alien uh, spaceship power generators. You are ruining this story, Rob. Okay, so here it is. Here it is. <laughs> okay, so this guy is a freaking genius. He's actually highly intelligent, is not somebody that you would expect to be deceitful or sneaky. I mean, even in the documentary, they have his wife come on and she's like, he's been like this his whole life. I mean, if he's like, would he lie to his wife for his entire marriage? You know, like, would he lie to his children? Like, is he lying to everybody in our family? He believes it, at least, you know. Very believable guy, very intelligent guy, puts a fucking jet engine rocket on his car. Like Rob said, it gets the attention of uh, some military higher ups. I think it was, uh, I think it was some NASA stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, originally. And they take him into this freaking bunker, make him sign all this stuff, do all these tests on him. And as he's walking past this room, he sees like this little child through the crack of the door. You know, it had a large head and it looked kind of alien like. And they take him to this other room. And, you know, maybe it was just a kid. Like he even says, like, I don't I'm not saying I saw an alien. I'm just telling you what I saw. And it's, you know, freaked me out my entire life. And the guy totally regrets being a whistleblower about this because. He's like, I just wish I could still be working on this technology because the technology is just so amazing that I would have kept it a secret. I would have stayed silent just for the opportunity to be able to work on amazing stuff. kind of makes you wonder like, oh, well, maybe that is a reason that people would stay silent about this if they're not like him and they didn't just go blab in their mouth. But anyway, so they take him to this other room. There's this, uh, how would you describe it? The gravity machine? I think you described it as like a kind of a tube cylinder thing with a a dome over it yeah so he starts working on this thing and he says that it pushes away so it's like reverse gravity we've actually produced a lot of technology from the stuff that they were working on i know anybody listening to this like that sounds crazy and, and it is but if if you watch the documentary you'll i think you'll find it to be kind of a little a little more convincing than i expected it to be i'll be honest yeah and like a lot of people uh try to brush off things like that like oh he's just trying to be famous but like you think about it he kind of destroyed his life everybody knows about him and everybody thinks of him as the crazy alien guy that can't be helpful he still has agents showing up at his house all the time agents not asians did i say asians <laughs> <laughs> he's got a bunch of chinese people showing up but no he but he, <laughs> yeah they still show up and like will go through and tear his house up to this day so what what is it that they're you know why would they do that if he wasn't saying something that had some validity I don't think he's necessarily telling the truth, but just that they don't like what he's saying is, is fascinating enough to me to, to listen. Right. Yeah, it really seems like throughout the whole timeline of aliens in the United States, like if it was nothing, then it would just be brushed off. But like the military made a whole division just to address this problem. You don't think it was just, you know, all this happened right around the Cold War. We were just bringing this kind of stuff up to make the Russians distracted so that we could keep working on nuclear weapons without having to explain ourselves? I don't know. I think that gives us, our government, too much credit. Well, I mean, they do keep some shit secret for a while. Right, right. I think we've gotten better over the years about it. But, I mean, it's kind of an interesting origin story. Uh, when you talk about aliens, most people think about Roswell. Like, there's been many more before that. See, in 1889, there was some pretty weird stuff going on. Minnesota, I think, was the first sighting in that time period. Like, it wasn't just some people in this town saw something. It started in on the uh, East Coast, 
and people from state to state to state one after another were reporting that they saw this mysterious airship you know, way before even the first airplanes were invented. It culminated in Aurora, Texas. The people of this town claimed that something fell out of the sky and it fell in uh, some guy's garden, destroyed his windmill. You know, the excuse is that it was just mass hysteria. It was brought on by you know Jules Verne's sci-fi and that becoming super popular and everybody's into it. So everybody's got overactive imagination. That doesn't seem very likely to me. Communication just wasn't what it is today. It seems very unlikely that all these people in different towns and different states would have the, the same hysteria. The idea of, of flying saucers or, or at least UFOs, we've always had that. I mean, they, they had the Mayans had little structures that they had made out of clay of like airplanes and UFOs and and different things that look like they could fly around, look like spaceships and flying saucers and stuff like that, which in a way could lead to validate your point in some ways. But it's also, I don't think it the fact that it was happening at that time in different states is all that bizarre because it's been happening forever. I mean, even in the Bible, it talks about every everything kind of celestial and, and magical and beautiful is always going up into the clouds or what was it? Was it uh, Isaiah? Uh, what was his name? Ezekiel, I think. Yeah, yeah, or, uh, yeah, was it Ezekiel that was, like, going up in a chariot or something? I think, uh, Ezekiel was walking down a road and, and saw some, I think he, he was the one that called it a wheel within a wheel. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's been going on for a long time. That's kind of, like, what got me started on the, the ancient alien theory was actually, uh, the Simpsons episode where, uh, they're at church and everybody falls asleep and has a dream about, you know, a Bible story. Homer falls asleep and dreams that he's Adam and Marge is Eve. And uh, Ned, of course, is God. So it's represented as a cloud with an arm coming out of it. And like just seeing that symbolism, it was like, hey, what if God is an alien? That would explain some commonalities throughout all of our different religions, common stories, Virgin births, 12 followers, miracles. Like uh, the Central American tribes had a, you know, their religion started, they describe a knife cutting through the sky and piercing the earth, and all their gods come out of it. Sounds kind of like aliens to me. My personal theory is that maybe, maybe one group of aliens, maybe a couple of different groups of aliens came down and posed as gods or we just thought they were gods and they let us think that you try to examine all the different religions and it all like there's so many similarities that it really could be just one group of alien guys traveling from country to country well you say tv got you thinking that maybe this could be the case but it's actually tv or more specifically like movies is what made me give up on aliens altogether just because I looked at aliens being represented in movies before the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. They were always mechanical. They were always machine. It was always robots, right, destroying the world. There was like this common theme of this big, giant, robotic threat because everybody was afraid of, you know, machines. Everybody was right. afraid of the new technology. It was moving pretty fast. Close Encounters of the Third Kind comes out, and they've got these little short gray dudes with big heads, no mouth, no dicks, 
and everybody <laughs> starts seeing that alien. Like all the reports of alien abductees are describing this movie alien. And then E.T. comes out and, oh, what a surprise. It's the same goddamn alien. (laughs) X-Files. It's been the same image all this time and all of our culture, all because of this one damn movie. And that to me, just the, the power of culture and the power of music or entertainment or film, it's just mind blowing to me because it changed everybody's perception of what aliens are. Anytime I hear that description of it was a flying saucer and it was a little short gray alien, I go, eh, you're just saying that because that's what everybody tells you is what it is. So whenever you think of something that you're afraid of, you apply that to it the same way they used to apply their fear of technology to aliens. Or you're, yeah. you have a problem, uh, you have some kind of sleep paralysis, the next day you're like, ah, oh, something really bad happened to me. I, I, I couldn't get out of bed and I saw an alien. I'm like, yeah, what it looked like? It was short with a big head and it was gray. Like, get the fuck out of here. That's a movie, man. <laughs> So I'm not saying all of you know the alien thing is false. I'm just saying that image of that alien, even the one that Bob Lazar was referencing, is all based on a goddamn movie, and nobody's <laughs> talking about this. It's kind of like a cycle that feeds itself. Yes. Did the symbol come first, or the you, you could kind of trace all of those themes back to uh, the god Moloch. He was represented by an, an owl, and it's you know a common thing when people talk about abductions that they saw an owl outside of their room and these creatures come in that kind of look owl-like the huge eyes and the gray skin we've been hallucinating this forever and it's just kind of evolved into abduction scenarios they fully accept that alien abductions are probably bullshit my in-laws actually believe in witches (laughs) (laughs) there's this hispanic story of, I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but Lechusa. And uh, it is this giant black bird that'll like show up at your house, but it's really a woman. She's just, you know, making herself look like a bird because she's a witch and she has special powers. And <laughs> I had heard this reference a couple times, you know, just, just, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. So I finally asked my, my father in law, and he says, uh, Oh, yeah, I saw one once. And it just, it just dawns on me. I'm like, Oh my God, these people believe in giant bird witches, you know, like like (laughs) nobody's talking about this. Like this would be the most, if I believed in that, I would never stop talking about it. Right. Like anytime I talk to just, just a random coworker or or someone and they're like, yeah, I I believe in ghosts. I saw one once, dude, you got to solve this mystery. You're saying all of physics changed in this one moment. This would be (laughs) the most important thing in my life. What are you, what are you doing at work right now? You know, why are you doing anything other than investing 100% of your time into figuring out this ghost mystery? They're just like, yeah, I believe it. I think a lot of people are kind of passe about some of their beliefs as opposed to others. And I get that impression with you, too, where you're like, I like the idea of it. It's highly probable that there's lots of aliens out there. Abductions are probably bullshit. Ancient alien stuff about, you know, making the pyramids. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But. I like thinking about it. Like, it doesn't seem like you really believe it, believe it. You just think it's it's probable and it's badass. Yeah, it's not like I'm going to start a church of E.T. and then slaughter your family if you don't believe in Elliot. Chop your it's dick more off. Like, uh, you got you to castrate like, yourself so that you're not yeah <laughs> you're not like, raping all your members. That's yeah, what, like that's what, uh, what his name was doing from Waco, Koresh. He was fucking, oh, yeah, he was fucking everybody's wife. 
it's so crazy. That's what every single time it starts off. They're like, "Hey, follow me. I've got the path," and it, it always ends up they they got their dick in your wife. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, some of these guys, these cucks. I, I don't think I've, that's the first time the word cuck has been on the show. The word cuckold <laughs> has been on a bunch of times. Hector Garcia wrote that awesome book, Alpha God, and then he did a political oh, one, Sex, Power, and Partisanship. And I think he's in a, he's coming out with a third one too. He was referencing cuckoldry a lot and how that kind of defines our patriarchal culture that we have now, you know, controlling women's sexuality. But anyway, you got to think, like, at some point, one of these guys watching his wife get banged by somebody that said they were Jesus has got to start thinking, like, eh, I don't believe this shit. (laughs) And what do you do at that point? You know, like, you might as well just go with it. (laughs) Anyway, man, we better wrap it up. (laughs) You were great, man. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. I really had a good time. And thank you for being a patron. It's it's crazy to me to think that anybody would find value in this. You know, like, I, I know that's that's fucked up to say, <laughs> but like, I just, I find value in it because it's mine. Nobody can tell me what to do. And I, and I get to address the topics and, and talk to the people that I find important and valuable. But the fact that someone else finds value in it, it's often surprising to me. To be honest, because I would do it if I had if I didn't have any listeners, I'd still do it, you know, because I enjoy it. I think it's definitely needed. Like, uh, it's so easy online when you get into these arguments. You're just like, oh, screw you. You disagree with me. I'm not going to be able to convince you otherwise. But to like get these people captive and like force them to confront each other, it's exactly what we need. It's like, especially with the the gun debate, you can just say, oh, you believe this. And that's stupid. And the other side is like, oh, you believe this and that's stupid. And we're not coming to any solutions here. You mm-hmm. force people to confront it, stay on it. Then we get to the root of it, get towards an actual you know, compromise. And what a lot of people don't know, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of these, it wasn't in the gun debate, though, because those two guys are very nice guys. Lots of times I'll actually edit out a lot of a conversation in a debate where people are just losing it. And, you know, and I'll just be like, all right, hey, hold on. No, let's let's get back together. We're, what is our goal here? Our, our goal is communication. Our goal is respect. Let's start over. Nobody ever hears a lot of that stuff. Unless the point of it is to show how crazy this conversation is. Like the one with uh, Felicia and Free Thought Prophets. I yeah, wanted to show the, the hyperbole of that. The whole atheist community is just divided about all the Me Too stuff. Or, or Ben Fama insultingly devastating some other person about their political conspiracy theories. You know, like the whole point <laughs> is to, 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 to get a laugh out of it, you know? But right. yeah, a lot of people don't know that it's, it's actually these peaceful conversations are not always that peaceful. A lot of that's edited out. Yeah, I went back and forth. Like, do I really want to go on and make myself the alien conspiracy guy? But then I listened to the, uh, you know, the flat earth guy and about how space is fake and then i'm like well i guess i'm not the most ridiculous guest he's had no no not at all (laughs) like some of the shows i don't even i don't even air because they're just so awful i had a a lizard guy uh that believed in lizard people he called them dragons and uh said they were scaly and evil and deceptive living underneath the earth and controlling our politics and Oh, crap. So he was full on like he David. Was, yes, he was all in. But the problem is he was so fucking crazy that the conversation was just unlistenable. I mean, even <laughs> while I was trying to edit it, I was just like, I can't just sit here listening to this. This is just so nuts. Like the guy, the guy had to have some kind of mental thing. Or Now I feel bad if he's listening. <laughs> but, 
but I, I don't think he was he was healthy. He was a nice guy though, but I he he had some kind of mental health thing going on. And had to. I can't explain it any other way because listening that, to the, too many David Ike lectures. Yeah, is that how you say it, Ike? <laughs> I, I think so. I always thought it was icky, but that sounds dumb. So you're probably right. It's probably Ike. <laughs> but yeah, there's been a couple like that that I just said I'm not even going to air this. I've I've got a whole a whole file just full of these random episodes that I never put out. And that that might be a good idea to have like a worst of thing. <laughs> Maybe to do one, at least one episode compilation of all the shit I never showed you guys. Right. <laughs> like uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that. I'm like I love I think so. I don't think anybody wants to behind the scenes. Rob, thank you so much uh for your patronage and thank you so much for just having a good time talking with me today, man. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for uh, fighting for the right to reason. <laughs> so corny. <laughs> Thank you to Rob Montgomery. Thank you to all our other patrons. I would like to send a special shout out to Kelly Clemenson, who is a Christian and has also decided to support this broadcast. And that means the world to me. If you hear that and you don't understand why that means so much, then you don't understand what this show is all about. And you don't understand the unrelenting character of Mr. Clemenson and his support for the open marketplace of ideas. So thank you, Kelly. And to everyone else, you also can support this broadcast at patreon.com forward slash right and learn more at the right to reason.com. Next week, I'll be talking to Dan Errol about his new book, Parenting Without God. Between now and then, remember that you have the right to reason. And Seamus from the Free Thought Prophet decided to stop by and help us out with our closing segment today. Thanks, Seamus. You can find him on YouTube. Hit it, brother.